Hi, friends, and welcome to another Robcast. And today in the back house, we have with us Joshua Becker. Joshua, welcome. Well, it is a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's... We're meeting for the first time today. Yes, we are. We are. I actually didn't want to have too much conversation before I turned it on because, uh, you know, the magic happens. I want everybody in on this. So let's start here. Let's start. You're living in Vermont, and there's a day you're cleaning out your garage. Let's take us back to how the whole thing started, because Robcast friends, when you hear this story, good Lord, you're going to love this. I'm telling you up front already, you're going to love this. <laughs> I, I was always a little discontented with my life. I always lived a very middle class life. Um, I was always a little discontented with with my money that I um, was always living paycheck to paycheck, despite pay increases. Like I was never able to get ahead. Whatever you made, you managed to spend as fast as you made it. Yeah, go figure. Right, seventy six percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So um, do they I really? Was not, yeah, that's the uh, USA Today number. At least last time I saw it. So, so it was me, and that that weighs on you, right? I mean, that just uh, that just weighs on you. Well, uh, Saturday morning, Memorial Day, eight years ago, uh, my wife and I wake up to do what most Americans do on the weekends, clean the house, run some errands, and, and do some shopping. Uh, I volunteered to clean the garage. It had been this long winter in Vermont, and you've cleaned out a garage after yes. winter, right? Yeah. It's dirty and muddy. and So I had my five-year-old son, Salem, out with me. Um, I was pretty sure he would enjoy cleaning the garage with me, because what five-year-old son doesn't, right? <laughs> Um, I said, Salem, let's, let's pull everything out of the garage. Uh, let's hose it all down. Uh, we get started. He finds a wiffle ball bat and a wiffle ball. And the last thing he wants to do is, is help his dad clean the garage. Uh, he has to go play in the backyard. I say, sure, go ahead and play in the backyard. Um, I, I have to finish the garage. So I'm working in the garage. Uh, I'm, I'm hours later, still working on the same project. Pull that mic just a tad much. There we go. Sorry. Uh, I'm hours later working on the, in the same garage. Uh, my son's running back and forth about every 20, 30 minutes asking me to come play catch and come play with him. I keep pushing him off. Just a minute. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. My neighbor, she's 80 years old, and she's out doing the, the landscaping of her, of her house, which is now on my bucket list that my wife would do the landscaping when she's 80. But anyway, <laughs> okay, we'll come to that a little bit. Keep going. Uh, Juna, Juna's outside, and I think she's noticing this frustration growing on my shoulders of how, how much time I'm spending on the garage while I wish I was in the backyard with my son. Uh, we happen to walk past each other at one moment, and she makes this very sarcastic comment. Oh, isn't it great owning a home? Uh, the joys of home ownership is what she said. I said, well, you know what they say, the more stuff you own, the more your stuff owns you. And uh, she responded with this absolutely life-changing sentence. She says, you know, that's why my daughter is a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And I, I look back at my driveway, which had this pile of dirty, dusty things and I knew full well that my possessions weren't making me happy, but as I, as I look at this pile of things in my driveway, out of the corner of my eye, I see my five-year-old son swinging alone in the backyard and suddenly had this realization, everything I owned wasn't not just making me happy, right? Everything I owned was actually taking me away it from the very the thing that did bring me 
happiness, not just happiness, but like joy and purpose and fulfillment were all in the backyard. And I was wasting all my time and energy caring for the stuff that didn't really matter. So uh, that began our journey of saying, let's, let's just get rid of the things that we don't need to have and let's start living with less. You're, what's your wife's name again? My wife's name is Kim. Kim. So you go in the house, you've had some sort of epiphany in your driveway. Do you go in the house and say to her, we have too much stuff? How does, what does that conversation look like? I, as I recall, the, ex- the exact sentence was, hey, you'll never guess, June said we don't have to own all this stuff. <laughs> that was oh, my, really? That was my neighbor. June said we don't have to own all this. And so I, I hit my wife at the, re- at, the, at the perfect moment because she had been cleaning the inside of the house at the time. Literally, she was in one of the bathrooms scrubbing the bathtub at the time. And I said, I, I don't think we should own all this. And she's like, that sounds pretty good right about now. So that began our, our journey. Like we were both in from the very beginning, just immediately drawn to the idea of, of, of getting rid of stuff that just didn't need to be there. And so like, what, what did you do first then? Uh, Where did I go from there? Um, the first thing I did literally that afternoon is I, I searched minimalism on on blogs and search minim- what is what is minimalism? That's what we do in the 21st century, right? You run to the website to, sure, <laughs> to find sure, out what sure. it actually is. And um, and I stumbled across all these people all around the world, uh, Colin Wright and Leo Babauta and Dave Bruno, and they're all, uh, Logan and Tammy Strobel, like all examples of people who have essentially said, we are just going to own the things that we need, which is such a novel idea when you think about it, right? That we would just own the stuff that we need to own. And every single, every single person I read was just singing the praises of owning less and how it allowed them to travel, allowed them to get out of debt, allowed them to, to move, it spurred all these other habits in their lives. Um, they were all doing it a little bit differently, but they all had the same basic idea that they were going to own less. So that was literally the first thing that I did. As far as cleaning anything out, the first thing I cleaned out was my car. Uh, at the end of the evening, then my car was parked on the side of the road, because I was cleaning the garage. So as I pull my car in, I just start, I think I'm a little more sensitive to physical things than I ever was mm-hmm. before. Yep. And yep. I'm just looking around my car and there's just pile of things. There's old CDs and maps and sunglasses and receipts and Happy Meal toys and ketchup packets, right? Like all these things that didn't even need to be yes. in my car. Yeah. And that was literally the first thing I did was I pulled everything out of my car except for the owner's manual and a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, I've noticed every time I've sold a car and you empty it, you're like, wait, that much stuff was in it? And doesn't it feel so good? When you, when oh, you get everything so out, you're like, yeah. oh, I don't even want to sell it now. Yeah. Now, now I kind of like yeah, it again. I'm borderline <laughs> obsessed with living with as little as possible. So you are, I couldn't be more. So you started blog, you start writing about this? I did. I started blogging that that weekend. Um, I started. It was a free a free blog, becomingminimalist.wordpress.com. Um, I, I was drawn to the idea of, of blogging, but I, I started it simply as a, a journal. My my family lived in South Dakota. Uh, I think they were a little worried when I told them that I was going to try to become minimalist, and so I. Um, I use it as a, as a space not just to write about what I was doing and what we were getting rid of, what we were keeping, the lessons I was learning, the things I was noticing, um, but I think also just to you know let the grandparents know that their grandkids still had some toys and just the change that was taking place in our lives. And uh, it, literally, uh, two readers that first month, I didn't think my wife was reading at the time, but now, <laughs> and now, okay. we, now we have over a million readers uh, a, a month just drawn to this idea. Two readers the first month. 
and now a million a month. Yeah. Did you did it go two, three, four, or two, one thousand three? When did it start? Did you realize you were hitting a nerve? There were some. Um, it it began to grow early, uh, mm-hmm. not significantly, but people would people would find it and they'd leave comments and leave thoughtful remarks. And I'm like, oh hey, people are finding this and are interested in, in what I'm writing. Um, there were some pretty significant blogging changes in just my mentality, my philosophy that I that I made. So it it eventually moved from hey, I'm gonna stop just talking about the belts that I was getting rid of and I'm going to start right sharing some of the things that I've learned and, and like really trying to inspire mm-hmm. others and, and challenge others. Um, and so there were some pretty significant changes that I made in what I was writing and how I was writing that um, probably some pretty significant in- incremental growth at, at that yeah. time. But it's been pretty consistent um, over the years. And what was something that early on that you wrote that you realized – Oh, that's a nerve. That hits something. That helps people. The uh, the very first article that that changed my thinking. Literally, I I wrote one evening about belts. Literally, it was the title. The title is belts. Why didn't I think of that? And then I kind of listed the. <laughs> I saw the belts in my closet and the ones that I was getting rid of. And I'm uh, at the end. I'm like, what am I? What am I doing with my life writing about writing about belts? Um, I received a, a number of emails over the over the time and a few questions that kept popping up. And so the very next day, I wrote an article called "How to Become Minimalist When Your Partner Isn't," because um, it was just one of the most common questions that I got asked. And so I just wrote about what I learned in my relationship with Kim and and uh, what did go well and what didn't go well and um, and I just use it as an opportunity to, um, to give advice, I think, or to, to share what I had learned. And that, like right away, comments started piling up. Hey, that was really helpful. I never thought of that. This, I'm, I'm glad you did this. And so that was the, like, the big oh, switch that took place. Yeah. Interesting. And um, where – so there's this whole world – of people, I had uh, one of my first Robcasts ever was The Minimalists. Yeah, yours was Becoming Minimalist. There's this whole world. Did you get connected with other people who were writing and talking about this? Uh, I did, although I I did not purposefully seek them out. I, I was very I was pretty content to just yeah write you know diary yeah. journal style. Um, uh, there's a, a blogger named Leo Babauta at, at Zen Habits, and and he so was like right. six kids in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah, six kids in New York City. No, no, he's uh he's in Northern California. Oh, okay. But uh, he was in San Francisco. Okay, and, San Francisco. Uh, and now he's up there. Moved from Guam with uh, six kids. They each had one box that they could bring over from uh, from Guam. Really? So, yeah. But his uh, his blog back. Uh, I mean, it's still fantastic. But ten years ago, it was it was Time Magazine's number one blog of the year. And um, uh, he wrote a post about minimalism and said, hey, if you want to read more about minimalism, here's a good website. Here's a couple. And he listed mine on there. And there's like a flood of traffic that came popping in one evening. And I'm like, oh, finally blogging makes sense, right? Like like we're interacting with each other. And, And so I started trying to find other people who were writing about minimalism and you know, sending emails to introduce myself or linking out from my blog to theirs. Hey, go read what Tammy's yeah. writing. Go read what go read what Eva's writing. Um, and so that was the the connection where that community yeah. started to started to grow online. So if we were to come visit you, you now live in Arizona. 
live in Arizona, if, yeah. If we were to come visit you, what would we notice when we walked into your house? <sighs> uh, probably empty counters would be the first thing that you notice. I, I, I don't think anybody walks into my house and says, Gosh, you must be a minimalist. Would you write about minimalism for, <laughs> yeah, right. for a career? I had a I had a friend who came over every every week for about a month, and um, uh, about a month later, she's like, "I I just thought you guys were moving. <laughs> everything everything <laughs> everything just seemed boxed up. I didn't, I wonder where the stuff was. But you know, we're a family of four. Uh, it's me and my wife and and two kids. Um, we have a sixteen hundred square foot home out in the the suburbs of of Phoenix. There's three bedrooms and and two bathrooms and. Um, uh, so we never thought to ourselves, "Hey, I, I want to live in a, a 200 square foot tiny home." Like yeah. we were never, we were never drawn to that. I was, I was pastoring at the time, and so we had a number of small groups that were meeting in our home. I was doing premarital counseling at the time. We were having new families for the church over over for dinner, and so hospitality was always something that was important to us. And mm -hmm. I, and I didn't want to give that. I didn't want to give that up. Um, it. Minimalism almost became like the the promotion of what we what we valued, right? And so I could have moved yeah. into a two hundred square foot home, but my goal wasn't to live in the smallest home that I could possibly live in. My goal was to to accomplish the things in life that I wanted to accomplish better yes. with more focus and energy. And so that became how we defined minimalism. Got it. That, and that's what I picked up is so many of the people who are helping so many people like you are like, wait, 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 this is not a to see how much stuff you can get rid of. This is about how f focused and intentional and almost clean and pure you can get your life, which will inevitably mean you get rid of a bunch of junk, but it's about something much deeper. On the, I would say there's, there's some very felt needs, some very okay. real needs that minimalism meets. So when you, when you start owning less stuff, you, you have more time, right? Cause you're not cleaning and organizing and, repairing and uh, you're you have more money because you're spending less and you're taking care of less you have more focus you have less distraction uh, you have less stress um, you become a better example for the for your kids better stewards for the environment like there's these very felt needs the New York Times um, ran an article last fall calling our generation in America the most busied hurried stressed generation yeah. of all time uh, which there's I think just direct correlation to the fact that we own more stuff in our culture than we've ever owned um, before. So there's those very felt needs that minimalism meets. But on a, on a deeper sense, minimalism forces us to define our values. Like we can't decide what we're going to keep, what we're going to get rid of until we decide what we want our life to be about and what we want to accomplish with our life. And so what are the tools, what are the things that we need to own to help us get there and then what's just all the the fluff stuff that's just right. we just tacked on because you know right the media which quickly told us takes to. you into matters of soul and spirit we're we're now talking about what does it mean to be a spiritual being and what does it mean to yeah um you used a couple of phrases in your writing you used de-owning yeah what do you what does de-owning yeah um uh, I, I I compare I compare it to decluttering a, a little bit. I, I I think that there's organizing has its space. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
there's a space for organizing and, and managing our, our things and putting them in the right places. But, but organizing is always just a, like a temporary solution, right? We organize today, just have to organize our stuff again tomorrow. But when you, when you de-own, like when you remove things permanently from your life, it's, it's a permanent action. They're, they're gone. They're not going to be there the next day. You don't have to deal with them again. They're not weighing on you. Um, and so I, I, I compare the two, right? Like don't just declutter, but de-own, like, like get rid of your things completely entirely because there's benefits uh, to it. You also use the phrase rational yeah. minimalism. Yeah. Why do you put rational? Uh, rational was a phrase that someone else actually used about my writing that I, I loved so much. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a mom uh, had a blog and and she linked over to my site years ago and and she said I, I like this guy's um, definition of minimalism. It seems so rational, and um, and I would I would compare it to the guys who were. Hey, I own less than 100 things. Well, I own less than 57 things. Everything I own fits in a backpack, right? <laughs> We're a couple. We have less than 100 things between us, right? And it was like this. No, wait. People count? Uh, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the middle world, they'll count? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It's like a toothbrush is one. <laughs> yeah. Is a pair of shoes one or two? Uh, it gets fuzzy on who's who's counting, right? Like oh, some okay. people count books as one. They have a whole bookshelf. Oh, got it. count as one. But some people count <laughs> one book as one. So there's no rules to this thing. They yeah. just they just uh, kind of go. That's funny, right? But it was it was very. I, I thought it was very extreme. Like I, I was never drawn to the idea of owning 99 things. I was drawn to the idea of, of owning less, but uh, aligning what I owned with what I wanted to become and what I wanted to do. Um, and so it's very. Uh, I, I think a good word, right? It's a thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, a thoughtful approach to what I'm owning. A very intentional approach to it. Okay, a couple questions. Uh, tell me about Christmas. For your family, you do a tree. Uh, we do have a tree. You have yeah. two kids. They're yeah. like preteen, teenager. Uh, my daughter is ten, and my son is thirteen. So, and my wife and daughter love the tree. And, so, uh, there's a tree. Presents. We do three gifts. Uh, we do three gifts. Uh, we give. Um, our our theory is something they want, something they need, and an experience to share with the family. Um, so that's what we give to our kids. One thing that they want, uh, one thing they need. If you're getting into new sports, right? Kids are always changing, right? right and right, and right. so there's different, and they're growing. Um, so it's usually something that they need. And then we, you know, if it's um, uh, uh, pass to the museum or out dinner somewhere or that they like to go, yeah, some experience that they share that we all that we all do together. And uh, and we've used that for the last uh, about four years, and it's it's worked pretty it's worked pretty well. The it doesn't always work with grandparents, right? Like like they don't yeah. always like like play by the just, same rules. Yeah, they you know you you keep telling them, <laughs> hey, no, seriously, we don't we don't want a lot of stuff. But uh, sometimes they, I think it depends when you hit them. Some years they're like okay, and other years they're like I don't care what you say, I'm just getting my grandkids whatever they whatever they want. <laughs> I love I I love how real you're. Th- I just love, that's how actually, yeah. Okay, yeah. secondly, your clothes closet. How is it different than it was 10 years ago? Uh, there are probably uh, a third of the clothes in my closet now than, mm-hmm. I, than I had before. Um, I went through and, and removed clothes that I didn't want and didn't need. Um, uh, 
about months later that I, I stumble across this experiment by Courtney Carver called Project 333, where it's an experiment to wear 33 articles of clothing for three months. And it counts shoes and coats and jewelry and, and 33 everything. 33 articles of clothing for three months. Yes. That's the experiment, right? It's just a test. And so I, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's give it a shot. I maybe had 50 or 60 things. I, I probably cut it in half from 100 to a 50. Um, so I just took out everything, left left 33 items. This was winter in Vermont, right? Like the two things that people always say, well, I'm a woman, so I can't do it. And I live where it's cold, so I can't do it. And I'm not a woman, but Courtney invented it, and she is. And uh, and I did it over the course of the winter. and uh, And I loved it, Rob. It was so amazing to open up the closet and like, Everything hanging there, you love. I'm like, and everything matches with everything else. I'm like, I'm gonna wear this shirt, this pants, and I, so much less to to think about. Are you so now? Are you in the 30s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I haven't. I I'm somewhere probably yeah, 35. Yeah. How about Kim? No, no, she has many more. Is she with you in the whole minimalism thing? Yeah. She is. Uh, I, I would say if I wanted to get rid of 80% of our stuff, she wanted to get rid of half of our stuff. So so her closet is much less full than it was eight right, years right, right. ago, but it's not to where right. I am. And she's happy and content. And I'm like, well, yeah. you know, there's some fights worth fighting and some not. Yeah, because I would, like with Kristen, I would be like, just chuck it all. But then I'll, I sliced my toe open last week surfing all the skin off the tip of the toe and I need a gauze bandage with a waterproof thing and Kristen's like closet in the hall second shelf green plastic container I would have chucked that thing so fast but then you know what I mean mom has this extraordinary at some point you're gonna need that and you're not gonna want to get in the car with your bloody foot and drive somewhere else yeah okay you uh, you probably would have found a solution are you grab a right. paper towel yeah, or a duct napkin tape, or something peanut butter, yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> peanut butter knife. i don't know about peanut butter. i don't know where that came from um okay how about um devices ipads iphone uh how about screen time does that is that something that you talk about is that how do you do that yeah technology is is interesting uh number one um I'm a fan of technology in that I think technology makes minimalism easier today, more accessible today than ever, ever before. Right. Well, I mean, on just my phone right here, I have maps and books and movies and music, right? It's like a a Mary Poppins handbag of all my stuff, right? Just in the (laughs) phone. Um, And so, so there's less physical things that I need to own because, because I have that. Um, And then I, I write online, I make my living online. So I have a, I use an iPhone and I use a Mac and that's, that's what we use. Uh, That's what I have. Um, There's one television in our home. We went down from four televisions to one. The average American home has more televisions than people. Did you know that? And uh, so, yeah, Yeah, it's not even hard to believe, right? The average American home has more televisions than people. Yeah. And we had four, we had four televisions and we, we went down to one. I'm like, let's just test out. Like, I I think experimenting is a huge part of minimalism. Got it. Got Uh, it. There's a whole chapter in the book on just the value of, of testing out less and, and seeing what works and what's the right amount. So we went from uh, four televisions to one and we just loved it. As a, At least I loved it. I th- thought that we were together more and we're watching the same stuff and make my wife watch sports with me. It's fantastic. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> How do your kids strain 
is this a point of contention with your kids or are your kids like um how do they how do they how have they dealt with this so you certainly have different uh, personalities in kids. My son is 13. He's very content with a with a soccer ball and, yeah. a, and a video game system. That's all he needs. Uh, my daughter is 10, and she likes Barbies and clothes and, and arts and crafts. Um, so my son has always been in. Like, he, he's been easy. And my daughter's been a little more um, wanting to collect things. Mm-hmm. And, and at first, it drove me crazy that she wanted to collect stuff. I'm like, no, no, we don't. We don't do that. And then and I went back to when I was seven and eight and nine and 27 and 28 and 29. And I loved collecting things. And it, at, at some point, I just said to myself, like, I really expect her to understand at age eight what took me 30 right. years it's to your figure journey, out. not hers. Yeah, like maybe this is unfair for me to. But there's certainly things we can do. We set boundaries, and you know she knows that we're just not grabbing anything and everything that we can. But, but still, that's that's her journey, and and um, I think we all develop differently, right? Even right. God, I would say, you know, God is teaching us different things and showing us different things at different points in our lives. And so, this is my journey. And so part of it was obviously you're shaping the home she's grown up in. But it sounds like it for you. There was some sort of there's a there's a point at which I've crossed a line and I'm forcing something on her that is that she'll she she's gonna have to grow into whatever she grows into. Yeah, boundaries like boundaries are very helpful for kids. Um, certainly we would all we would all agree with that. But so is patience and so is love. Yeah, so is yeah, kindness. Yeah. Well said. Um, and of course we have to go here. What is your garage like now? Oh, what is my garage? Um, good question. What's in my garage? Uh, Bikes. There's four bikes. My son has a bicycle ramp. Um, luckily, I'm I'm not a tool guy, so yeah. I think there's a hammer and a screwdriver. Um, and then there's a, a a pile of sporting equipment uh, in the in the corner that my son loves to play sports, and I like to play tennis. And um, so it's it's I don't know. Everything in there needs different. to be in there. Stuff that we stuff yeah. that we use. Yeah. And it's different. And a car. Than the and there's a car in there. There's a car in there. There's <laughs> It's different than the garage in Vermont. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh, I can hours, I, but it's not that. I, I think the numbers are like thirty some percent of Americans can't park both cars in the in their two car garage, right? I mean, we just Good Lord, you have the stats. We're just thirty seven percent of Americans can't park both cars in the garage. Yeah, and because of so much stuff. Yeah, we're just grabbing more and more and collecting more and more and just throw it in the garage and keep it there as opposed to you know yeah getting rid of it. Um, the, so you travel and speak, you help people think about a more intentional, purposeful life. You go and speak places, you do a Q and a, what are the one or two questions you know for sure before you open it up for questions in every crowd? These are the one, two, three questions that's, that I know will get asked uh, anywhere in the country, anywhere <clears throat> in the world. I'm, I'm always going to get asked about uh, partners, spouses. What do I do? How do I, I stay do? on the same page? What do you do? If, no, yeah. how do I get rid of them? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, um, and it's very funny because it doesn't matter, right? Like the, the guys complain about the, the wife's closet and the wife complains about the guy's garage or basement or tool shed, right? Like they're, they're – but it, it's always easier to see everyone else's clutter than, than it is to yeah. see our own, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, 
so I always expect it, and we talk through that. Um, I'll get asked about kids, uh, which my response, like, how do I get rid of my kids' stuff? And my response is always, you, you can't, like, you can't start with your kids' stuff. Right. That's just unfair right. to make them right. get rid right. of all right. their right. things right. until you've gone right. on the do journey your work. yourself. Do your yeah, work. exactly. Because they, they see it, right? Like, if you've lived this life where you're just collecting things and you're grabbing things and you're you're buying whatever you can, and then all of a sudden you're going to, you know, turn the page on them because because you heard a presentation and and yeah. they didn't right like it's just not fair. You need to do the work, uh, learn the lessons, go through the emotions, set the set the example. Um, so I get asked about that. I get asked about gifts. Um, what do I do with sentimental things? Oh yeah, um, those are some like what some do you do with sentimental questions. things? Uh, I my my response is less is less is different than none. So I'm, yeah, I wouldn't tell anyone to get rid of all their, all their sentimental yeah. things, but so often the sentimental stuff that we've collected is just in boxes in the basement or in the, in the attic, right? Like there's so much of it that we're not even, even enjoying it. Right. So I say like half, go half it. Like if you have two boxes full of things, cut it down to, to one box because right. when you do it, when you're forced to make the decision, you can, it, it's interesting to find, you know what? This actually does mean something to me, and and this I just had because there was space, and so it, like it, it helps us sort out. I think most important from from less important pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, I know these these doves landed in our backyard. He's and they've been right here to, for like he's a about week. Ready to hop right in. He's they in for the conversation. They're totally not <clears throat> scared of us, and they come right up to us, and they act like they own the place. And now this one is literally, it's like going to come in, like it wants to take part in this conversation. Well, I mean, uh, let's talk about birds and minimalism, right? I mean, <laughs> there you go. They're not grabbing. They don't have, right. they're not building bigger nests Look than they the need. Look the birds of the air. <laughs> put, <laughs> putting their uh, chicks in, in separate worms. In separate you know, rooms. it's interesting what you said about uh, things that have memory. My first book was called Velvet Elvis, and um, that's sort of an inside joke with, some friends from college when I actually bought a Velvet Elvis at a garage sale. And uh, so I've had this Velvet Elvis since college. It's the ugliest. It's actually, you can see it up there. It's hanging up there above those surfboards. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Because cause part the of the one. thing for me in getting rid of so much stuff, because Kristen and I are like endlessly, get rid of it, get rid of it, simpler, simpler, more focus, less clutter, is if I'm going to keep it, then hang it up and have it do its job. Um, but like a box, just boxes and boxes of stuff that someday maybe, um, even a, an awful tacky Velvet Elvis, which is actually kind of awesome. Yeah. Hang it up and enjoy it um, has been huge for us. Um, otherwise, you're literally, you have volumes of stuff that's for someday. Um, my uh, my wife, uh, she had a, a box cardboard box full of things that she had taken from her grandma's apartment when her grandma passed away and it was just in the basement and we started minimizing stuff we eventually got to the box and she's like i haven't looked at this stuff in in years and I, I tell the story in the book she she pulls out three things she pulls out the candy dish that was always in her grandmother's living room and now it's in our our living room she pulled out her her grandma's uh, pin that was always on her coat and she put it on her coat oh nice and uh she pulled out her grandma's bible which is in uh now in her nightstand and and got rid of the rest right and so by owning less stuff we actually brought more value i think to that relationship and, and yes the, the things that we do have out tell tell a story about who we are and, and why we are the, the way that we are yeah and what kind of settings do you go and speak in uh it is uh it is funny um uh 
churches, um, but I, I just got a call um, to go up to Portland in the in the fall to speak uh, to educators. It's a like a teachers thing for teachers huh. and principals and and superintendents. I spoke in New Hampshire at a continuing medical education class. Um, or the, I, I spoke to a, a law firm in, in Dallas. I spoke to a, a, a group of financial and insurance agents in Las Vegas. It's just very, it's very interesting. And the call is always the same on the phone. It's always, hey, you're not our normal speaker, but I've, I've found so much value in what, in, in this message. I want, I want my colleagues to hear it. Like I want other people to think about this and, um, I'm like, okay, if you think I could talk to a bunch of doctors about minimalism, I'm, I'm well, in. I'll, I'll share it anywhere and everywhere. It, that actually doesn't surprise me. Yeah. We are just too much too much cheap stuff, and uh, that's really interesting. Really interesting. that it, Like, it's all across the board. Yeah. And uh, and I find it, re- I mentioned I speak in church, I, I find it resonates, hey, people in the in the church, right? Christ followers, like, like this makes sense. Like yeah. this is what Jesus was, was saying. Yeah. Like, like yeah, he was yeah. talking about this thousands of years ago. Um, and, and people like uh, of any faith or, or non-faith, like they're just, they're drawn to the human. idea of, right? That uh, this and is I, human. Yes. Cause I always close with the same thing. Like our, our lives are just too valuable to waste chasing material possessions. Like we were all designed, we were all created for something better and greater than, than this right right here yeah. and it, it it resonates with people all all across the board okay when you were in vermont if i would have met you and been like dude 10 years from now you're gonna be writing books and traveling around to law firms and medical groups talking about minimalism would you have seen this are there seeds of this earlier in your life or would you have been like come on that is the no way uh, yeah, no, not at all. No, I really? never would have. I never would have seen it. No, no. I was uh, I was pastoring and loving it, and thought I was going to do that for the for the rest of my life. I'm I'm the rare blogger who who didn't want to become a full time blogger. I, I liked I liked my job and I liked what I was what I was doing. Never would have seen this. And now, like literally, best selling books, millions of people, and you just this is what I'm supposed to do. How do you think about that in terms of your path? Like I had this, I had a job, I had it all, I was fine. It, how do you think about that? Is it just, this is what needs to be done? Or you didn't set out to do this or make this, it wasn't like a career goal. Yeah. How do you think about that? I found, um, well, number one, I, I, I found success in it, um, not not like worldly success, but I found that, that this was a message that when I talked about it, people like yeah. it, it struck a chord with people. Yeah. And I, I get emails and um, I'm like, okay, this, this is something that, that I share well. Um, so there was that part of it. Um, and then I think there's just a, like the, the growing need for it and the, the lack of people talking about it. I mean, there were, there were people talking about it and, and writing about it for, for centuries, people have been writing and, and talking mm-hmm. about this. But um, I don't know. There's thousands and thousands of, of pastors, and there's just a few people out, like, really, really talking about the benefits of owning yeah. less and, and how it will improve people's lives. And um, uh, I just found all of my creative energy 
being drawn to this message and, and said, I, I, I think I need to do this full time. So, but it was a pro it was probably two and a half years of, should I do this? Should I not do that? What am I really supposed to be doing? Does this really make sense? Am I really going to stop pastoring to do this? And, um, it just all, it all made sense all along the way. That's so good. It's so inspiring. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the blog is called Becoming Minimalist. The blog is called becomingminimalist.com, yeah. Dot com. The new book is called? The new book is called The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own, which I love the subtitle, by the way. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, un, under the stuff you own? Finding the life you want under everything you own. That, uh, that, that, we, that deep down, I don't think you... You don't sit across a table from anybody and, and ask them, what do you most want to accomplish in life? And they say, I just want to own as much stuff as possible, right? Like, like people don't answer that when they really dig down, when they really dig down deep, that, that deep down, we, we want something better. We want significance. Uh, yeah. We want to, we want to solve problems. We want to have an impact in, yeah. in people's lives. Um, and that, that so often we've just accumulated so many things that, that advertisers and the media have just sold us this this lie that we'll be happy with more that we bought into it without even without even realizing it and um sacrificed a, a better life unfortunately because of it there's a new billboard right down here i think it's on robertson in the 10 it's an amazon billboard for their new in the city here they're doing like a <laughs> one hour delivery or something oh um I th the billboard is something like happy as an hour away and I took a picture of it because I was like, there, we're not even intimating it anymore. It's not even implied. And, it, and they're sort of being tongue-in-cheek, but no, because there's always truth in humor. Yeah. It's something like happiness is an hour away. Well, I think uh, Coca-Cola had the the uh, slogan "Drink Happy." I think that was their like yeah. that was their slogan for the for the longest time. Yeah, we we Which stopped hiding it a long time ago. And uh, Amazon's very interesting because they're I mean they're all about like their biggest dream has been how do we make how do we make the the buying process as easy and painless as as yeah. possible, right? Like how do we make yeah. things as accessible? And so they invented one click ordering, and now they have the Amazon Dash button where you just you know, it's like a, have you seen them? It's just like a, like a doorbell and you just click it and whatever product you want shows up the, the next day. My right? uh, friend of mine have, have been laughing about, they have one click, but at some point there'll be something that gets put in your head and then it's just one thought ordering. Yeah. Like r replacement razors. <laughs> and then a <laughs> drone comes down. Yeah. I will think it and then it will float down yeah. on my front door. It's good. Or like uh, retail. Forget the click. Re Remember like when we used to yeah. Remember when we used to have to act to click? Yeah. Oh, that's so complicated. <laughs> yeah, such, a, such a pain. <laughs> right, 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 right. And you have to like send them, you have to tell them like, oh, I'm sorry, I just thought about the wrong product. Yeah. I thought about a size four. Like I, can I just think about taking it back? And <laughs> yes. <back>? And then, <laughs> right, right. I'm thinking about a return. Done. Um, okay, so, and then what? the first book was called what? <clears throat> uh, the first book I wrote is called Simplify. Simplify. This is the second book. Uh, there's book. some there's some books in between. Uh, I wrote a book for parents called Clutter Free with Kids. Uh, Clutter Free with Kids. Yep. Okay. Uh, I wrote a book else? for high school students called Living with Less: An Unexpected Key to Happiness. Uh, but uh, this is the this is the best book by like a, a million miles. Oh, it really is. Yeah. The others were uh, the others were all self published, and they're they're great. They sell a ton. Um, uh, um, 
but uh, but this one was like like really through the process, like people really pushing me on what are you writing and you know challenging me on some on some different things. It's uh, it's really good. I'm really proud of it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and how can people get a hold of you if they want you to come speak or all that stuff? Uh, becomingminimalist.com. There's a oh, okay, there's great. a speaking page, speaking tab. You can, okay. you can click on and um, this is fantastic. Yeah. I'm totally cheering you on. I love it. I love it. That closet back there is like the Bell family. Everything, if we're going to keep it, fits in that little closet. Yeah. Which is half wetsuits and half my son's clothes. So it's like half that closet is ev- all of our storage <laughs> as a family. Yeah. Which which has been inspired by people like you who are like, no, you don't need all this stuff. So thank you. Well, uh, <clears throat> I knew you weren't going to have a lot when you invited me in your house because most people, they just don't even. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. This is Joshua Becker. I uh, am very thankful for this opportunity, Rob. Thank you. It's a pleasure it's to meet great. you and have this conversation. Grace and peace, everyone.